Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the 90s. And as Will Smith says, Miami is on fire. Miami is home to South Beach, models, and The Rock. It's the American dream at its glitziest. By the mid-90s, Miami Beach was rapidly turning into this kind of pastel boom town. A lot of famous people came to live there and party. Versace, Jennifer Lopez, you know, Madonna. Just kind of a Miami celebration, Cuban music, great food, and all my friends. If you were a regular person, if you were a criminal, if you were a high roller, this was where you wanted to go. Bye-bye. And the place to be once you've made it is Golden Beach. Golden Beach is a little strip on A1A. You have a lot of wealthy homes. They have their own little police force. They had not much to do except keep other people who don't belong in the town off the beach. Among the successful people living in Golden Beach is 33-year-old Frank Griga. I met him at a party. He was very friendly, very outgoing. He was, like, charismatic. Like, you wanted to be around him. A Hungarian immigrant, Frank is a true American success story. He was looking to make it big, and he decided that Hungary is not the place to make it big. So he came to the U.S. in the mid-'80s. Frank's goal was to move to the city of his dreams when he was growing up behind the Iron Curtain. When he was living in Hungary, he was able to watch reruns of Miami Vice, and he got into the whole idea of this Miami lifestyle after seeing Don Johnson in Armani suits and T-shirts. As kids, Frank and his best friend, Gabor, fantasize about making it big. Gabor is my husband. The two of them grew up together, and we're stuck like glue. When Frank finally makes the big move to the United States, it's on the heels of his best friend. Gabor was already living here. He was so determined to make it here. Upon arriving in Florida, Frank gets a job selling cars at a luxury dealership. But he has much bigger aspirations. He doesn't want to sell them. He wants to own them. 
And so he leaves that and he gets into the phone sex business. Hello. In the days before widespread internet access, a good time is only a phone call away. You know, you dial the 900 number and you get plugged into your favorite fetish. Succumb to your wildest dreams and put your passions to the test. These calls were being charged at multiple dollars by the minute. The operators were trying to get the individuals to stay on the line for as long as possible. The longer you are on the line, the more you made from it. By the mid-90s, Frank Grieger runs over 40 phone sex lines. I've been waiting for you to call me. Oh, it was very lucrative for him. And he makes a lot of money. They're charging like $5 a minute. Pick up the phone now and let me be your friend on the other end. Adults only. Judy says one of Frank's most successful lines is hot duck. Frank got very rich off of hot duck because the D is also an F on the phone. It's a classic immigrant tale of triumph with a kinky twist. He was a true success story. He made himself into a millionaire. It's only $20 a call for up to 15 minutes of hot fun. The only thing missing is a bride, like his best friend Gabor has. Frank is a big part of our wedding. He made such a wonderful toast for us. He made it short and sweet. It couldn't happen to two nicer people. And he hopes he found love someday. But rather than look for romance, Frank spends his time recruiting employees for his booming phone sex business at a strip club in North Miami. And that's where Frank would find most of his girls for his commercials. And where he happens upon the woman of his dreams, 21-year-old fellow Hungarian, Christina Furton. She had a boob job, but she wasn't a stripper. She was working there, though. She was very sexy and very young. I just thought she was just the cutest and nicest thing. She just had a magnetic personality. For Frank, it's love at first sight. He was head over heels with her, and she was head over heels with him. Frank is wealthy, but that's not all that attracts Christina. I wouldn't say he was goofy. He had an interesting personality where you wouldn't be shocked by anything he did. Despite his wealth, Frank never really forgot where he came from. He was known as being generous and personable. She was happy to be with Frank. They seemed to be that perfect fairy book couple. Yeah, they fit very well. They fit very well. By 1995, Frank and Christina are living the high life together. Frank Riga owned a boat called the Foreplay, which he kept moored in the Bahamas. He also had a condominium in the Bahamas. He owned a Lamborghini. His net worth at the time was $10 million. If Frank was going to have something, he had to have the best of it, or the newest. It's like he had to prove that he had succeeded. Even his dog is top of the line. He had a big Akita, Chopin, a very furry dog. He looked like a big wolf. But Frank Griega is not someone who rests on his assets. He was always looking for new markets. Frank and Christina were going to go to the Bahamas for Memorial Day weekend. He had talked about some sort of a business deal that perhaps was going on in the Bahamas. The morning of Frank and Christina's departure for the Bahamas, Judy receives an unsettling call from their housekeeper. She knew that something was wrong because the dog was going berserk. Concerned, Judy goes to Frank and Christina's house and is immediately on alert. And I'm like, okay, something's not right here. Chopin is barking, something's wrong. 
Judy lets herself in and notices the airplane tickets for Frank and Christina's trip are still in the house. You didn't have your phone app to go to the airport without it. If you were going to go somewhere, you had to take your tickets with you. So they wouldn't have left and left the tickets in their house. And Judy knows they would never have left their dog alone. I mean, they would have put him in the kennel. I mean, that was their baby. They would have never left him there to go to the Bahamas. So I called the police right away. Golden Beach has its own police department, one with little experience dealing with serious crimes. Golden Beach is not a police department that is sophisticated in dealing with a case like this. So what the chief did, the chief contacted Miami-Dade police, and they just blew them off and said, oh, they'll come back, they'll return. So no one started looking for them right away. Two days later, a Florida Highway Patrol trooper on duty in the Everglades notices something unusual on the side of the road. You don't see a Lamborghini abandoned on the side of the road, particularly not out in the Everglades. The Florida Highway Patrol trooper noticed that there was a Golden Beach parking sticker in the windshield of the car. So the trooper contacted Golden Beach police. The abandoned Lamborghini is quickly identified as belonging to Frank Griga. So now they're beginning to figure something happened here. Frank's missing, Christina's missing. Something more was going on. Something serious had happened. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. 
I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Frank Griga and his girlfriend, Christina Furton, have been missing for two days. Griga and Christina reportedly were last seen near the Don Shula Resort in Miami Lakes. You've got Frank and Christina who are wealthy individuals who are missing now and whose Lamborghini's been found far away from where it should have been. Police are now taking the couple's disappearance seriously because for all its glitz and glamour, there's a dark side to Miami. At one point, Miami was the number one homicide city in America. It's just been named the most dangerous city in America for tourists. The drug traffickers and money launderers who were moving their product in and out of South Florida. And then you had very wealthy people from Europe, from South America, who were coming into Miami to spend their money. So there were a lot of opportunities for criminals to make a substantial profit. And a millionaire like Frank Griga would be an opportunistic criminal's dream. The Miami-Dade police head to Golden Beach to interview Judy Bartus. Judy tells them she saw her friends the night before they disappeared. She wanted to see them before they went to the Bahamas. I was walking over to their house to see if they wanted to go for a walk. I saw a guy there. I didn't recognize him, which was unusual because I knew most of Frank's friends. He was muscular. He worked out. He shook my hand and I immediately, I'm not like one of these psychic people, but when his hand met my hand, something went through my body and I felt evil for the first time in my whole life. There was another guy there. They said they were going to Don Shula's restaurant. They invited me to go along with them for dinner. And I said, no, thank you. They were in Armani suits. You could see their bulging muscles, and it just didn't feel right. Judy tells police the last thing she saw of her friends was the two heading off to dinner in their Lamborghini, with the muscular men following behind them. So it comes back to the Lamborghini. It's been abandoned, and they start to look through the Lamborghini to see what clues they could find. Police find some fingerprints in the car, but there are no immediate hits in their database. Judy's description of two muscular men is their strongest lead. Time is of the essence in a missing person's case. So the investigators rushed to build a list of possible suspects by looking for links to any other recent abductions. What other connection do we have with any other case we're investigating where muscle-bound guys are talking to wealthy people? As it turns out, there is a similar case. My friend, Alan Harper, who was a major in the Miami-Dade Police Department, he overheard this uh, briefing at a roll call regarding Burton and Griga being missing and that they were last seen accompanied by two weightlifters. Harper remembers that over a month before Frank and Christina went missing, private investigator Ed Dubois contacted him about a client he'd been working with. His name was Mark Schiller. 
to the basics of the story were very unusual, to say the least. Mark Schiller, who was born in Argentina, came to Miami in the late 80s. He set up an accounting practice. He started a Medicare billing company. By the mid-90s, Schiller was a millionaire with a hand in multiple businesses. One of his businesses was a delicatessen that he owned in Miami Lakes called Schlatsky's. He followed a strict routine, an everyday routine. He would leave there usually around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon after doing some business there. But Schiller tells Du Bois November 15, 1994 was anything but routine. As he walked to the parking lot, he was grabbed by several big men and they put him in a van. They put a gun in my face and said, see this? If you move, I'll kill you. They blindfolded him, and they drove him to a mini warehouse. Schiller tells Du Bois that for the next 30 days, he is tortured and threatened. What they want is his money and property. Mark was terrified. He had no idea what was going on. They taped his eyes. They bound him, they shackled him. They punched him, beat him, shocked him with a taser. He couldn't go to the bathroom. He was urinating on himself, defecating on himself. They hardly fed him. They humiliated him. They would run him into a wall. Unspeakable. It was horrendous. Finally, Schiller relents. He signs over his house. And he's blindfolded, he doesn't see what he's signing, he's just signing. He was forced to uh, sign many, many documents. He signed the change of beneficiaries for his life insurance, and he signed many checks that liquidated his checking accounts. They could have told me I was signing that I was responsible for the Holocaust, I would have signed it. Um, all I wanted was to get out of that warehouse. Mark Schiller says that once the kidnappers had what they were after, he knew his days were numbered. The plan was for him to call his wife and tell her that he was going to be out of town for a month and that she must go to her mother's home and take the kids and leave town immediately. Schiller tells Du Bois that on December 15, 1994, his captors forced tequila and whiskey down his throat, followed by sleeping pills. Then, they put him in a car. They doused the car with gasoline. They opened a propane tank, put that in the back seat, threw matches in and started the, the fire. But Schiller opens the door and rolls out on the ground and starts rolling around to put out the fire on his body. Despite being in incredible pain, Schiller is desperate to get away. They ran him over and fell to the side. The U-turn and he was on the ground. They ran over him again. They said, okay, he's not moving, he's dead. So they leave him. But he doesn't die. He's like Phoenix, rising from the ashes. Harper says, is this all true yet? I said, every word. He says, oh my God, unbelievable. And over a month later, when Major Harper hears the particulars of the Griega Furton disappearance at roll call, he immediately remembers the story of Schiller and the weightlifters who kidnapped and tortured him. So he calls me early in the morning, about 6.30 or 7. He said, Ed, I've just been to this roll call, and I've heard this briefing, and some people are missing, and they'd been with uh, two weightlifters. Is this the same group that you told me about? 
Police now worry that Frank and Christina could be going through the same horrifying ordeal. If the suspect used the same pattern as they did in the earlier abduction of the Argentine, it's possible that these two people are being held at a mini warehouse or a residence. The search is on for missing millionaire Frank Griega and his girlfriend Christina Furton. Miami-Dade police realize there may be a connection between their disappearance and the abduction of businessman Mark Schiller six months earlier. In mid-December of 1994, Schiller woke up in the hospital, where he had arrived intoxicated and badly wounded from an apparent car accident. He comes to in the hospital after six hours of surgery. He had a ruptured bladder, he had a broken pelvis, he had burns all over his body, he had bruises all over his body, and he wakes up and the doctor tells him he's been in an automobile accident. He says, no, I haven't. I've been kidnapped. Schiller has a hard time getting doctors to believe his outlandish story, so he gives up on making an official report to police. Instead, he turns to private investigator Ed Dubois for help. And his main concern is that once they found out he didn't die, they were going to come to kill him. The advice I gave him was, you need to get out of the hospital immediately and hide out. So his sister made arrangement for an air taxi to, to fly him to Staten Island, where she lived, and stash him up there. While recovering at his sister's house, Schiller gives Dubois more details about his ordeal, hoping he can help him recover his assets. He believes he knows who is behind the kidnapping, an old business associate, George Delgado. Schiller gave Delgado a job and used him as a kind of an assistant for quite a while. And then he sensed a, a business expertise in Delgado. Schiller ended up selling Delgado one of his companies. Delgado became one of Schiller's most valued associates in a mortgage company. Mark Schiller trusted Jorge. He knew all of Schiller's banking information, where he put his money. But, as Schiller tells Du Bois, their relationship took a turn when Delgado decided he needed to make some life changes. George Delgado was a skinny guy. He decided he'd need to bulk himself up and work out a little bit, so he joined Sun Gym. If you were a bodybuilder, you'd go to Sun Gym. They promoted bodybuilding contests throughout South Florida. Delgado isn't alone in his body consciousness, especially in a place like mid-90s Miami. In Miami in the 90s, it's all about how beautiful do you look when you go to the beach. They'll spend hours in front of a mirror doing lifts and making sure that the bicep pops just so much. Then you get a whole subculture of people who are thinking they're gonna become the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. To help him pump up, Delgado hires a trainer at the Sun Gym bodybuilder and gym manager Danny Lugo. Danny Lugo was about six foot one or two, very muscular. He kind of swaggers when he walks, he struts like I'm a big man. He's got a New York accent, but he lisps a little bit. And sometimes he stutters. Nevertheless, Lugo is revered as a god at the Sun Gym. Not only for his muscles, Delgado tells Schiller, but because he's a big player in the city. Apparently, he's in the telephone and banking businesses with a Medicare billing project on the side. Danny Lugo, to the people that he was working out with at the gym, they thought that he had the Midas touch. He had money, he's driving fancy cars. They think that he is a genius. He's a financial genius. Danny Lugo's right-hand man at the Sun Gym is fellow trainer Adrian Dorbal. 
Doorbell and Danny Marvin like Batman and Robin. Doorbell being Robin to Danny's Batman. And despite his thriving businesses, Lugo appears to spend all his time in one place. These guys did nothing but spend the day at the gym. They were both working out and using weights. And here's George Delgado, this skinny guy who decides he needs to beef himself up. And these guys befriended him. Delgado spends more time with his new friends at the gym. Schiller notices his old buddy is changing. He kind of struts. He's becoming more aggressive, and that wasn't the Delgado that he knew. As the new year begins, Delgado asks Schiller if he wants in on some kind of business deal with him and Lugo. Delgado asked Schiller to meet him and Lugo. Lugo made some references to doing some transactions that Schiller thought was illegal. Schiller is appalled that Delgado would want to do business with someone like Lugo. Schiller was not um, a naive businessman. He had been around the block a while. He told Jorge Delgado, look, you got to pick. It's either me or him. And so Jorge chose Lugo. And they severed the relationship, the business relationship, the family relationship that Schiller and Jorge Delgado had. Schiller is disappointed, but he doesn't give this meeting any more thought until 10 months later, when Schiller is kidnapped and blindfolded. He can't see his captors, but he can hear them. He notices this lisp, and this lisp sticks in his mind, and he thinks back, you know, where he's heard that before. Over time, he starts to realize he knows the voice. It's Danny Lugo from The Sun Gym. Schiller suspects his old friend George must be involved. With Schiller now safely hidden in New York, his private investigator, Ed Dubois, devises a plan to find his kidnappers and recover his assets. And I said, okay, why don't we do this? Uh, get me copies of all the documents. You signed while blindfolded. Schiller manages to obtain a notarized copy of the deed to his house that he had signed over to his abductors. I was curious as to who's notarizing these fraudulent documents. As Dubois is reviewing the deed, a name pops out. I see John Meese, CPA. Here's a guy that went to Edison High School with me. And that's not the only coincidence. John Meese is also the owner of the Sun Gym. On February 2nd, 1995, Du Bois pays his old friend Meese a visit, bringing the signed deed with him. I said, here's the documents that you notarize, and I know you didn't notarize this with him sitting in front of you. He said, oh, Ed, that's, that, was a whole, that was a business deal. Two clients of mine, Danny Lugo and George Delgado, introduced me to Mark Schiller, and they brought Mark Schiller in, and I notarized the, the signatures. Johnny, I don't believe you. He said, well, that's what happened. But Meese admits his recollection of the signing is vague. So he offers to bring in Lugo and Delgado for a meeting in order to straighten out the matter. Lugo is a no-show, so Du Bois confronts Delgado, who is full of swagger. He said, this, this is all a business deal. I said, is it customary for you and your business deal to kidnap a person, brutalize him for a month, you know, beat him, torture him, drug him, light him on fire? Is that, is that how you do your business deals? No, we didn't do any of that stuff. I said, oh yeah, you did. I said, your biggest problem is that Mark Schiller is my client. He's alive, and he's going to testify against you and put your ass in jail. A rattled George Delgado promises to give back everything they've stolen from Schiller, but on one condition. 
He said that you will never go to the police about this, this crime. Du Bois agrees to sign a contract stating that as long as all of Schiller's assets are returned, he won't go to the police. But one month later, Du Bois has only gotten Schiller's house back. What's left of it? They took every single thing from him. TVs, all his computers, jewelry, cash that he kept in the house, virtually everything. In April 1995, Du Bois convinces a reluctant Schiller to fly to Miami, meet with police, and officially press charges. Still reeling from attempted murder and still doesn't want to have these guys see him somewhere and um, kill him. But police are skeptical of Schiller's story because of the time it took him to report it. If these people kidnapped you, almost killed you, and stole all of this from you, why wouldn't you come to us immediately? Schiller's worst fears are realized when police decide to treat the case as a simple robbery. I told him, I said, this is a, a, a terrible group of animals, and they're becoming emboldened by your inability to investigate, and they're going to strike again. Now, almost two months later, another self-made millionaire immigrant, Frank Griega and his girlfriend, Christina Furton, are missing. And Major Harper thinks the abductors sound a lot like the Sun Jim gang. The time was of the essence. If, in fact, they'd been kidnapped, it's possible that they were still alive somewhere. These guys, what they did to Schiller, this new couple could be dead pretty soon. Officers from the Miami-Dade PD head to Golden Beach to once again speak with Frank and Christina's close friend. The police came to our house with the pictures, and I pointed them out. I said, it's him, and it's him. And I said it very emphatically. Judy identifies Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorbell as the guys she met the last time she saw Frank and Christina. They were missing at the hands of these horrible guys. So you could speculate the worst crimes in, the, in your mind. Detectives hope it's not too late to save the couple. Without evidence of Frank and Christina's whereabouts, police can't arrest anyone for their disappearance. They can make arrests for the kidnapping and extortion of Mark Schiller. They race to find Danny Lugo and his son Jim Gang. At 7 a.m., police armed with search warrants and bulletproof vests head to the homes of George Delgado, Adrian Dorbal, and ringleader Danny Lugo. In the process, they find more links to the missing couple. They found a mountain of evidence connecting these guys to Frank and Christina. They found Frank's business card. They found Christina's red shoes, red miniskirt, a red jacket in Lugo's apartment. But they don't find Lugo. Lugo was the guy who they wanted to talk to the most because Lugo was the ringleader. Lugo was the one in charge. While police are able to arrest George Delgado and Adrian Dorbel, Danny Lugo is missing. And if his gang knows where he is, they aren't sane. So police track down Lugo's girlfriend, Sabina Petrescu. When they first brought her in to question her, she really didn't have much to say because Danny had told her that he was some CIA operative. And she believed he was, and he had told her, you can't tell anybody what's going on. If anybody asks you, don't say anything. For 20 hours, Sabina refuses to tell the cops anything. Eventually, they convinced her that he was lying to her all along, that he is not who she thought he was. Sabina finally confesses that Lugo was hiding out in the Bahamas. The Miami-Dade police contact the Bahamas, and they eventually find him at a hotel. On June 8th, 
Danny Lugo was arrested and flown back to Miami. They put him in handcuffs. One of the comments he made to the detectives as they were flying him in was, what's all the crowd here at the airport for? And their answer is, it's there for you, Danny. Police now have Danny Lugo and his cohorts in custody, but they have yet to confirm if Frank and Christina are still alive. We need to find the bodies. Are you willing to tell us where the bodies are? We will take that into consideration when we decide what to charge you with and what type of penalty we're going to seek against you. On June 9th, Lugo takes police to an irrigation ditch where they find human remains in two 55-gallon barrels. What Lugo didn't tell them was that the bodies were missing parts and pieces. They expected to go find a male and a female, and what they found was two bodies that were headless. The hands are also missing. The bodies appear to be dismembered by a chainsaw. The remains are transported to the morgue. People are generally identified by the coroner based on either fingerprints, dental records, or if you recover a body that hasn't decayed, you'll at least have the face so you can take a picture and you have an identification of the victim. There were no heads, there were no hands, so no fingerprints, no teeth, and no faces. And so in the eyes of the law, these remains could belong to anyone. So you need identification to be able to show the jurors evidence. You need the part of burden of proof that says the victim was this particular individual. There's no proof. Without any way to ID the bodies, it appears the Sun Jim gang could go free. An autopsy provides one important clue. When they do the autopsy on one of the torsos, they find breast implant, which has a serial number. The doctor that did the implant told them who the patient was. And they're able to trace the serial number on the implant to Christina. Police then receive an anonymous phone tip that leads them back to the Everglades, where Frank's car was abandoned. They find these drums out in the Everglades that contain the hands and the heads. Both heads were partially skeletonized, mutilated, and the teeth were forcibly removed from the heads. But Frank and Christina's killers miss something. They took out all the teeth except one, a molar. And a forensic dentist got Frank's dental x-rays and matched that molar to Frank, and that's how they identified Frank's body. It was just a shock. But at the same time, it was what we expected, but didn't wish. All that kept going through my head was the chainsaw. These were my friends, and he was chainsawing them and putting them in drums, and they dumped them in the Everglades. Yeah, the motive for the murder, as in the Schiller abduction, was greed. After almost three years of compiling 1,200 pieces of evidence and 98 witnesses, the trial of Danny Lugo, Adrian Dorbel, and John Meese begins. The men are tried on 97 counts, which include the kidnapping and extortion of Mark Schiller and the murders of Frank Griega and Christina Furton. At a hearing, George Delgado accepts a plea deal, but Danny Lugo goes to trial. And it's there that the events leading up to Frank and Christina's final moments are revealed. Adrian Dorbal had heard about a wealthy guy who had a Lamborghini and who was making his money 
from 906 phone lines. Having burned through Schiller's money, they needed a new target. Through a mutual friend, Lugo and Dorable managed to meet Frank at a party. They pitched him on a business venture, investments in Asia. They said that they had India market and they were going to try and see if Frank could invest in it. The men then arranged a dinner meeting for the night of May 24th, which was the last time Frank and Christina would be seen alive. They get into the Lamborghini and they're going to follow Dorbal and Lugo. They pull up at the restaurant and the restaurant's closed. Dorbal invites Frank over to the townhouse. Dorbal goes upstairs with Frank to show him computer equipment. And Christina stays downstairs with Lugo. It was their intent to do to Frank and Christina exactly what they had done to Schiller. Once they finally have them in the place that they're going to start extracting information from them. But the plan goes horribly wrong. Once they go upstairs, Dorbal takes him from behind and tries to choke Frank, but he fights back. Frank resisted. Then Dorbal put him in a headlock and beat him to death. Christina hears the struggle, so she starts to want to run up to see what's happening with Frank. Danny slams her down on the floor. They want Christina to give them the access code to the house. They're yelling at her, they're beating her. Part of what they had in their kidnap, murder kit, was something called Rampon, which is a horse tranquilizer. It injects her. It does the trick. Disoriented, she gives them the numbers. And now Danny Lugo goes racing off to the house and he tries the number. Can't get in, it's not the right numbers. Lugo calls up Durbal to find out what's going on with Christina. And he says, the bitch is dead. Now they have to get rid of two bodies. So they pile them up in the couch, one of them underneath some of the cushions. They also wrap the other one in a, a rug or a blanket, get the bodies out. And they take them to this warehouse where Schiller had been held. And they start chopping up the bodies. They put the bodies in, in two drums uh, in a drainage ditch out down in Southwest Dade. But then they uh, put the heads and the jaws and the teeth and the fingers in some small paint cans and took them out on Alligator Alley and uh, threw them in the bushes. They didn't think they'd be caught. Even right up to the last minute, they didn't think they'd be caught. But they're wrong thanks to Lugo's previous target, Mark Schiller. They slapped me, they hit me, they, they hit me, they shocked me with a taser. If they had killed Mark Schiller, then I don't think the police would have made the connection to Frank and Christina as quickly as they ultimately did. My wife would ask him what happened. I couldn't even tell her. Took a while. The jury finds all members of the Sun Jim gang guilty. The defendants never flinch as the court clerk reads the long list of convictions. There wasn't one count that this jury acquitted them on. All 97 counts guilty for all three defendants who went to trial. Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball are given the death penalty. George Delgado is sentenced to 15 years in state prison for the kidnapping and attempted murder of Mark Schiller and being an accessory to the murders of Griega and Furton. John Meese is sentenced to 56 years in prison. The arrogance of these screwballs, you know, 
uh, Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball and the rest of them were just so offensive to me. It was a special type of criminal that would take part in a torture and, and brutality, culminate that kidnapping with a brutal murder. In 2013, the case of the Sun Jim Gang was made into a movie, Pain and Gain, a dark comedy starring Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg. You just can't kidnap a guy and take his things. That's so illegal. Sure we can. But for the friends and family of Frank Griega and Christina Furton, it was no laughing matter. This is a heartbreaking case for Frank and Christina's family. Devastating. This is what happens when people are so consumed by greed. The saddest part is that they didn't deserve it. They had a life together, and it was gone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.